There it goes. There you go. Hello, Omniverse. I am Joe Bear. I'm Zach. And I'm Diego. And this is Behind the Beard. Or lack thereof. Welcome to this week's episode where we hope that each conversation of ours sparks an idea, a thought, or help your journey to be a better you as we're trying to do the same every week. Today we're continuing our conversation on the topic of presentation, and which is specifically focused on knowing your audience. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the art of presenting to your audience and the importance of understanding who you are speaking to. Whether you're giving a speech, presenting a proposal, or leading a meeting, knowing your audience is key to delivering an effective message that resonates with them. We'll be sharing tips and strategies for researching and analyzing your audience, adapting your message to their needs and interests, and delivering a presentation that engages and persuades. So join us as we explore the power of knowing your audience and how it can help you become a more effective communicator. All right, but first, I read this this news about Airbnb. Uh, they're apparently like also banning friends of users that have been reported or banned from the platform. Um, not sure how they're how, how they're getting that info, how they know who is friends with who. Uh, unless you can prove you're not that close, then you can actually book your places. So I have a question for the two of you. What's uh, the most embarrassing situation a friend has gotten you into? Wow, you took like a whole left turn there. I was all ready for an Airbnb story. That's a great question. I don't know off the top of my head. I, I just did like a general life aspect. All right, we can do the Airbnb story then. <laughs> what were you going to tell us? I have an awful Airbnb experience too. <laughs> Let's go with okay, that. That counts. <laughs> and I booked it. And we got there and it just was nothing like the pictures mm. and and it was for a bachelor weekend in miami and so it was a group of like 15 of us bunking in this one home and it just it wasn't fully clean like there are just a lot of interior updates needed right and i just blasted a whole novel and i think I actually went through vrbo but same case whatever and I blasted a novel, like a five-page essay, <laughs> critiquing everything of this person. And within a couple of weeks, their listing was taken down. So um, I feel like I, I kind of had a, you know, a, a real bad customer service moment. But it was just I was trying to protect others from putting forth money that just wasn't good. But it was definitely. You roll up to this ready to party for a weekend and then you're in the neighborhood in Miami and you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so going back to Diego's original point here is the 15 people you were with in Miami, how does Airbnb know how good of friends you are? And were they the messy ones? Were you the messy ones? I'm pretty sure you punched a hole in the wall, not them, right? You know, type deal. <laughs> So how do they know this? I don't know. Uh, cookies and microphone tracking on your phone, most likely. <laughs> there were cameras outside on like the patio pool. I'm going to say pool area because the pool was not very clean. And we covered them with towels. <laughs> it just seemed very invasive. Not that there was anything bad, like wise going. It just 
but I have seen listings like we do monitor surveillance for the amount of people that you're coming into. So hmm. I don't know. I I just I'll stick. I think I stick to the hotel life more so now after that kind of bad experience pushed you me. Know, it's actually happening to me too. Like now when I'm traveling, I'm more going back to hotels uh, after doing a bunch of Airbnbs and good experiences, but also some that like we went to this place once and the guy was keep kept telling us to where to eat, what to buy, where to go, but all the time, like super intense on top of us. Like, did you try that pizza already? Did you, did you go? Are you going to go tomorrow? Are you going to go today? And it's like, yeah, okay, calm down, dude. Like, I want to explore and, <laughs> and know where to go, find out my own places. How about you, Joe? What do you yeah. do? Hotels or Airbnbs? That, that's a, a great point. So I was team Airbnb and Verbo all the way for the longest of times. But then it, um, because they were great deals. You were able to, to get a good place. It was widely available. It was something unique outside of the hotel world and get a little bit closer to where I want to be, actually. Um, it was readily available. Uh, and then the cleaning fees started racking up, all the additional fees, and all of a sudden it was more to go Airbnb for a maybe cockroach-filled place, true story, um, or go to the Marriott or Hilton or even a Best Western, and I have a higher degree of chance of being cockroach-free, right? You know, so... You know, after some of those experiences in the world, it's I've, I'm definitely leaning back towards, yeah, you know, sticking with my Marriott or Hilton um, and going down that pathway. But uh, you get rewards, right? At least you have some like there's you can build up your points, get loyalty rewards, complimentary upgrades, different food there. I yeah, I would say that hotel convenience is more. The only part where it gets, I think Airbnb still has that upper hand for some, or even VRBO, vacation rentals of any sort, is large groups. People all want to be there and yeah. not hotel room hopping. I like that. Or just a unique experience, right? I know um, Airbnb, they recently did that update with, you know, something outrageous. I forget the exact name of it, but you can go stay in the potato or in a UFO treehouse or whatever the case is. Those are cool destination stays, which I would probably assume is their business model and therefore kept up a little bit cleaner than, say, random house in Florida filled with cockroaches, right? Um there's only more in the experience. <laughs> yeah. So more in the experience market. Do you think they they know their audience? You know, that's a, a great question. I think they do. Um, a lot of people, you know, it's quick, it's easy. You don't think about it, or it's the longer term stay is where they saw them really heading towards even more than just a quick weekend party uh, down in Miami, like Zach trashing a house, which is a normal case. <laughs> I uh, do not trash so a house, guys. <laughs> so, you know, a long-term stay uh, leading into, you know, we talked about before, digital nomading or, you know, I'm going to go stay up in, you know, Maine for two months, three months, and it, it might be less expensive and more experience-wise than there may not. Is there even a hotel up in Maine? But anyway, that's a question for another day. <laughs> Zach, you can answer that one. But, um but so, speaking of that, though, like with the whole knowing your audience kind of pushing it to platforms, what about LinkedIn lately? Is it trying to become TikTok part two? 
heavy influence of just going through there and, and scrolling through where you used to see some good tips and tricks for jobs. Not saying that's not out there anymore, but seeing a lot of uptick in LinkedIn influencers. They're also getting cringier, uh, I would say. Uh, you said I, it. I just wasn't going to be the one to to pull that trigger. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just pulling it. Um, well, I'll go specifically to this. It was it, an expert, deemed expert, listed himself as three times founder of a business, had to be all of 19 years old. <laughs> and he's trying to tell me, all of these great things that he's done. I'm like, that's that's not the real world. I'm sorry. No, you're that's a okay. You started a lemonade stand. Great. I'm super happy for you, but you're not going to tell me how to run a billion dollar company. It's just not right. Real, even possible. So I, I you got to take it for a grain of salt. There's a ton of great, awesome content out there, but um, I still think the state of LinkedIn is uh, getting a little bit tacky. Uh, uh, I'm with you, Zach. What do you What do you think, Diego? I think they saw the potential and they realized what the content consumption was everywhere else, and started to adapt. Right? Like I heard from people like back in late 2020, um, they were doing like this creator academy or whatever, and setting people up with content, with the strategies. Um, and I've seen the content improve. Like some of the videos now are way better. But there's also the other people who weren't involved in that piece of. LinkedIn's evolution and we just saw like, oh, this is YouTube now or this is TikTok now. I'll do my own thing. And it becomes kind of like, um, I don't know, kind of like a pyramid scheme-ish kind of thing, right? And then the thing about that is that even if it is bad content, uh, poorly executed or whatever, it drags the attention. So at the end of the day for LinkedIn, it means traffic. So they have this really good content, like, uh, everything that you can learn over there and everything that all this this really cool influencers are doing really cool things there or creators doing good things there but you also have the others and for linkedin both are wins and then the other side is and i was i will back up i say i like to hear some of the work related stories right those real life examples of I laid off, I was laid off, but then I had success. And maybe it's just, and it's that, because I do think LinkedIn has that approach to have a connection. I've shared personal stories related to job, right? But where I say that it's it's weird is where I see Facebook-esque posts as well. And I'm thinking, is this the platform, right? I, I know it feels good because I, I have watched my reactions or um, what do you want? Interactions, excuse me, as well as the likes, the celebrations, the curiosity, the light bulb. I think I've typified all of those, but at the end of the day, it's just, I don't know. I, I will say, I agree, Joe, it, it can be cringe to, especially if you're trying to get a, just a quick scroll and say, oh, you know what? That's a good article. And I should bring that up to my, you know, fellow coworkers or the team or anything like that. But when you're just viewing, you're like, oh, you're telling me your workout strategy on LinkedIn. Why? <laughs> well, I, I actually follow some of them on, the, on oh, LinkedIn gosh. and... <laughs> Yeah, it, it's good because it, it it's about, I don't know if they're trying to be the whole person, right? You know, LinkedIn used to be very career focused, but you can't have a great career if you don't have a good mind, body, soul type okay. deal all taken care of. So I, I think there is room for all of that to to flourish 
for us to be better human beings to give back into the the businesses we're creating or working in uh whatever the case may be um i i don't like the well i shouldn't say that but you know some of them like you said the the facebook posts itself like that this isn't the right platform for that and i know you get super excited you want to share with your work family, right, your work teammates, uh, that this is what's going on, and that may be the only avenue and platform to go there. Uh, but then you also have to know your audience. I have 5,000 followers. Maybe I don't want to post all this intricate level of personal life on there, um, you know, but it's to each his own. Uh, I can continue my infinite scroll and move on from it just as quickly. But I, I think. I used to get a lot more clear, succinct, great, like, aha moments. And now I'm just more, oh, okay, that's cool, right? <laughs> you know, it takes a while to get there again. I would, as we are about to transition to our weekly topic of know your audience, I would say LinkedIn doesn't do a good job of knowing their audience. You think about algorithms, right? TikTok suggests uh, too well, scares me. Uh, very, very specific times. I'm just like putting the phone down at this point. Uh, Amazon suggests great things. Twitter, Instagram, they know you and they know it's, you know, data related. But even from interactions, I've never seen a LinkedIn post suggested for me based off of you like these inspirational quotes or you like these articles around four day work weeks, things of that nature. I, I personally have never seen that. So I think that they don't know their audience. Hot take. Sorry, LinkedIn, coming at you. <laughs> All right, LinkedIn influencers, we'd love to hear your hot take on how LinkedIn is doing. Uh, BTB at oiteam.com. Hey, thank you for that segue, Zach. Let's jump right on in here to knowing our audience as our audience wants to, to talk about the topic and learn and start a conversation, a thought process and continue going. Uh, today, it's about knowing your audience, whether you're talking to a customer on the phone or you are giving a presentation or a sales pitch. There's so many different ways to have a specific audience. Uh, and I guess I'm gonna ask both of you, how do you prepare for interactions with an audience, either via one-on-one -on -one or a larger audience? All right, I think to me, one of the most, the things that have helped me the most is to pay attention to the people that I'm going to be speaking to before like preparing anything like message, slides, whatever. Just having paid attention before helps me a lot to understand. Like, I think Zach, you mentioned this last week, like putting in some sort of story or some sort of reference that will click with the audience, right? So finding those, to me, that comes from paying attention to who they are and what they care about. I agree with that. And for me, a lot of it becomes what's the purpose of the conversation I'm about to have. Not all the times will you have that advantage, right? We've all had meeting invites with no agenda. We've talked about that before, and it, it does <laughs> cause a little the heart going up a little bit. What is this about? Just quick touch base. Okay, that could go many of ways, but I won't digress on that piece. Now, for me, purpose, as I said, just what is my intent? So I start with I a lot with all of this because it's important that I have a good message out. Do I have a history with these people that I'm speaking with? Do I need to give some background on who I am, what this is about? Um, what, what's the importance of it? It goes kind of back and hand in hand with that uh, purpose. Do I need to keep this high level, low level? It becomes a just a like a research scenario for me 
prior to based off of what the discussion is going to be so that I can go in there and I may not know what to say. Let's be honest. I We've talked about this plenty of times in this podcast. I generally don't prep very much, <laughs> but I in the back of my head, I do have kind of the skeleton of, I know oh, I'm going to speak with Diego and Joe today. I feel I want to touch on these kind of bold topics and I'm going to sprinkle some of this in, but not go too deep and keep it in that realm. What about you, Joe? Yeah, those are really crucial things to think about is, you know, knowing the audience and doing that research on them. I think in today's day and age, it's easier than ever to find out who you're speaking to, whether it's curtailed to a title or a role or a scenario which that meeting or presentation is occurring, you can gather enough information to really curtail the presentation there, but you're not always going to have everything. So a lot of it is just adapting on the fly, having your message out there. I like what you said, Zach, being prepared and have my message solidified. So that way I can adapt the message to who I'm speaking to. Uh, I was just on a uh, conversation with a new client that's coming in and um, my typical excited self when I get passionate about a topic um, wasn't what was needed. It needed to be very direct. It needed to be a very clean, succinct conversation. And so on the fly, I said, okay, well, let's shut down Joe Banner that goes out there and let's just <laughs> dive <football>. in. <laughs> let's dive into succinct communication, clean and clear. Uh, so it's just about adapting uh, and on the fly. And as much as you can get to know someone, it, it's going to happen. It's not, uh, but it's just having enough repertoire of being able to converse in many different levels, like you said, high to very detailed oriented, um, that could help you out. Now, from a speech presentation style, what have you two done to help build your skill set for adapting to these presentation styles? I've enjoyed public speaking from a young age. Uh, backstory of, of myself, I was in like a middle school, got to do some speech contest, went to like state level, I spoke at my high school graduation. I've always kind of enjoyed like being able to speak well, um, speak well under pressure, like I said, speak on the fly. So I don't, I don't, I will, I say that that's kind of a, a gift of mine that I feel confident enough to say. So I don't know that I've done a whole lot of preparation with it um, in, a, in a, kind of a broad term, but I have learned to fine tune in the sense of who I'm speaking. And I think that's where I'll go with this one is I haven't always been skilled on speaking at a business level, speaking with executive down to a peer, down to a prospect or anything along that line. And so one of my biggest keys is I'm not always going to prepare correctly. Mm. I had that situation yesterday. I totally thought that the a client call was going to go one way and it was the opposite what I had worked myself up to really articulate and defend didn't even need to be defended. So I I think the best thing that I could say with it is you have to learn from those experiences and take a time to reflect on how you articulated any message at any level, because you're going to learn best and 
from your cringe moments. I've had plenty just because I said that I can I feel confident that I speak well doesn't mean that I always do. I mean, we've heard it here. I said reservations uh, instead of <laughs> New That's Year's something. resolutions. Thank you, because I was just struggling for the word again. And so yeah. the wheel's spinning. But yeah, in short term, that's that's kind of my long-winded answer, my Joe Bear answer. <laughs> what about you, Diego? <laughs> uh, me, uh, I think I always like to prefer with things that have no direct relation to something. Um, instead of going out public speaking myself, what I did when I was younger was I played in a band uh, and I played guitar and sang. So it was kind of like, I think that gave me the first uh, approach to reading an audience, right? And knowing what was happening without having to actually, yeah, analyze it or whatever, like just in the moment. Um, but then I've also like enjoy a lot of um, watching, for example, like things like stand-up comedy and see how that helps you, I don't know, like try to look beyond the jokes and just try to see what's happening and how are they building that and how are they connecting with the audience and how are they uh, reading what's going on in the room, right? So I think those two things to me have been very helpful on understanding uh, how to read the audience and how to adapt to whatever is happening at the moment. Uh, because sometimes you might have like the whole set list plan to go one way, but then you realize, oh, this is the perfect moment to put in this other song that we're going to play three songs later. So maybe just do that quick swap there because it's going to be good for you and it's going to be good for the show and it's going to be good for uh, your presentation in that in that moment. I applaud you for one, just having the gift of music. Uh, <laughs> that's a skill that not many have. So and then two, to be on stage. Talk about instant feedback of you're doing great or not. I think probably the only step above that is what you said is a comic where it's you and you alone and there's no music to drown out. I cannot sing today. It's my joke flopped. And now do I continue on? Uh, one thing I've been looking at along those lines, uh, finding some free time is not always the easiest, uh, but is the Toastmasters. Uh, I've been looking at joining them, of learning how to get over my fear of public speeding, speaking. Yes, I truly do have it. Uh, that's probably why I ramble on so much instead of being so succinct uh, with my speaking and presentation skills. Uh, and then two, Diego, I like what you said of listening to them. I, I was just on a, a road trip and uh, driving down and many hours in the car I was listening to Conan O'Brien's new podcast wasn't even listening to the conversation was just listening to how this master presenter and communicator handles scenarios one thing i've always tried to avoid is an uh right you know we're knowing our audience knowing that uh can make you seem uh, i don't know what i'm talking about he has such a pronounced uh but it makes him relatable Mine is, you know, I pronounced um with uh, you know, and you know, <laughs> part of what we're learning here is we use Microsoft Teams here and they have a speaker coach and it tells me every call you've used, you know, way too many times. I won't even give numbers out, but if you listen clearly, I will. Zachary.palmer at oiteam.com. Cool. Or btb at oiteam.com. <laughs> I'll give you the answer there, uh, but it requires a little bit of engagement to get that true number. 
So I like where you guys are headed here, of learning and listening to others in the role and how they present. It wasn't always with the gift of gab. I listened how to present from some master class communicators to make their audience feel engaged, to make them feel warm and fuzzy, and how to fill the room when there's silence. And now it's trying to figure out how to take it to the next level. Uh, so there, there's a lot of TED Talks out there. Um, and I hate to say this, but <laughs> LinkedIn Learning's got a lot of great stuff uh, for this <laughs> Let's as say well. LinkedIn Learning is different than LinkedIn Influencers. But I think we all have had this background and we didn't speak on it. And it's, it's really crucial. Public speaking, you learn a lot by being in a call center um, and answering phones. So there's, you have to learn to hide your emotions more than any position at probable retail probably will be very similar any customer facing even if it's on a phone right you you hide your emotions because you're you have quality behind you you don't want to sound annoyed you don't want to sound angered that or exhausted that it's your 50th back-to-back -back call and everybody kind of jokes you have your customer service voice right <laughs> we probably all have used it in several times you have somebody Thanks that for calling into behind the beard my name is joe <laughs> think you just confused a radio voice with your customer service voice. But it that's is one in the same. One radio. in the same. Where do you think I perfected? That's why he got the you know the high C, uh, CSAT scores there. They always love it. <laughs> but it's just that is that is a big learning piece. And I just as you were talking about kind of knowing your audience and and those experiences of some masterclass individuals, right? Over time, I've I learned so much just from talking to such a diverse group through different call centers I was a part of, right? Had to sound clear, had to enunciate well, uh, get to the point quick, not be long-winded. A lot of a lot of key of this uh, knowing your audience is is learned through that. So maybe sometimes we don't realize it, but you know, here in the Omniverse, our, our gig workers are, are great um, knowing their audience when they're helping our clients. It's so true that it does everything for you, right? Reading who you're speaking to, reacting fast, adapting to the situation, uh, detaching from your emotions. Yeah, there's so much that you learn about public speaking from from taking calls. I hadn't think about it. I was in the situation this week where uh, my bank's app stopped working. Like they just, I don't know what happened. They haven't fixed it yet. Uh, and it was supposed to like, the prompt was go to the website and use the web version. So I did, but since I never do, uh, it flagged me as suspicious activity and locked my user. So I was trying to call in, but everybody was calling in because the app isn't working, yeah. right? So when I finally got to someone, um, I was already like, I was already upset. I was like just <laughs> waiting for someone to come in and just, I don't know. Uh, but the, the person was, very calm and and she was really just like okay we're gonna fix this because this is completely unrelated to the app issues so we're going to unlock your user but we're having some system problems right now we need to wait uh 15 to 20 minutes for that to go through i'm like but i'm not gonna hang up because i need to wait for another <laughs> hour and a half to get to someone and just like all right yeah so we can do and we did so many things like we updated some of my information um i I don't know, like just reviewed some stuff in my account and stuff like that. And I felt like that person was adapting to to the need of that moment, right? Like we need to kill this 
15 to 20 minutes, but I'm just not going to stay on silence and just put you on hold for that amount of time. Um, and yeah, that's, that's so true. Like cold taking helps you interact. Diego killed that poor lady's AHT for the day, but <laughs> that's okay. Cause she adapted. Know, <laughs> it's very true. You cut your teeth on frontline customer service. There's no better experience to it to learn the ins and outs of humanity and how to present, how to take control of a situation. Yeah, I've done tens of thousands of calls in my day. Uh, I tried being a server at one point in time and I said, nope, that's not for me, but I could handle the call center, right? But you got to try all this out. You got to try the retail, maybe encouraging both my daughters. You've got to go do this because it's not an enjoyable experience. You've got to learn what it's to be on the other side, and that's going to provide you the skill set necessary to go further than without. You cannot replace that human interaction, and just doing it no better than learning a skill on the fly, adapting, as you said, and being able to handle it 80 times a day in a call center environment. Look at all those skills you're providing for yourself to learn how to adapt and communicate. Absolutely love that tie-in. Um, I think you were reading my mind here because I did have on my notes, I'm a little post-it note, call center work, uh, <laughs> where I was going to tie it in too. Um, so I was glad we're on the same page. Sorry, I had to steal the show. No, that's quite all right. <laughs> uh, as we continue on here and look at all the different facets of knowing your audience, sometimes there's different things we could use out there. I'd love to get out some ideas for you to utilize to understand your audience, whether you're uh, in the gig world and you're trying to create your gig economy and your gig revenue, um, social media provides tons of great analytics, customer data, there's so much of it out there. Audience feedback is probably that number one, see a problem, fill a need, right? Uh, and then really just talk to people. Focus groups really help with so much. You can get so much great information out there in the open and then you can curtail that into a better presentation for others. Um, I really implore all of you to let us know how you learn or communicate or know your audience at btboiteam.com. Uh, and the best message will be entered in for a raffle uh, that we are completing. Uh, throughout the month of March, two separate raffles going on and contests, throwing it out here. All right. So for coming up in April, uh, <laughs> we want to hear your best thought processes, learnings, or how do you curtail yourself to knowing your audience, btb.oiteam.com. On that note, it's we're recording this March 2nd. Did you both complete your... February push-up challenge? Uh, with exception, I think I probably did 86%. Probably five or six days that I just did not. I don't okay. know if that's actually 86%. Don't, please don't quote me. Numbers <laughs> may not be your strong suit. <laughs> no, that's like 79%. <laughs> that's close. What about you, I'm taking, I'm taking the fifth. 
on this one. Reads the fifth. All right. Started strong and then took the fifth. Uh, that's all right. Um, I, too, missed a couple of days. Uh, travel and whatnot just makes it really hard. And that's an excuse mindset coming in. But we're starting in harder uh, for March. And I hope as we're in this third week and we've challenged everyone out, I'm continuing on my 100 push-ups per day challenge. And whether you want to do body squats, you want to do whatever, I do believe that there is a great tie-in to the mind, body, and soul and making it a better experience for all of you and with so we will the winner that reports into btb at oiteam.com in less than a week after this is released uh will be entered in for a raffle for lunch with us it will be fun and i would really enjoy that and hear about your experiences of push-ups 50 body weight exercises 50 whatevers all right with that let's wrap up with a quote of the day since i do not have one from david uh, from Schitt's Creek, uh, as promised by Zach. We'll just go with this quote for knowing your audience by Harvey Diamond. <laughs> if you don't know what you, you want to achieve in your presentation, your audience never will. And as always, hashtag keep learning and let us know what you're about. You're learning about too. Please like and subscribe to our channel for more great content. And I hear there may be a newsletter uh, or blog post coming out uh, here very, very soon. If you'd like to reach out to us, we would welcome you to email us again at btb at oiteam.com and join us next week when we start our next topic in our presentation series, Leading a Meeting. I am Joe Bear. For my co-hosts, Zach and Diego, this is Behind the Beard, Omniverse to the Moon. Do we need, have anything else to talk about, guys? <laughs> what a way to end. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, do we have anything else to talk about? Just cut that one out. Um, I'm